It's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fish Casting the Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. Hello, everyone, and I'm Captain Tim. All right, guys, a uh, good kind of holiday episode. Um, you know, we wish everyone the happiest holidays. I believe this is our 50th episode because the holidays, um, we've had to be very flexible when we recorded, not able to get that guest, but we're going to do it the new year. Uh, hopefully we'll be trying some new things. Um, and so, yeah, we got a good episode today. Tim did some hunting and some scouting. I did a couple little trips with my dad when I was in Jacksonville for the holidays. So uh, it's a good one, and I think you guys will enjoy. Tim, you want to open it up for today? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, as Tanner just mentioned, everyone, um, I was hunting um, two weeks ago. I didn't get a chance to talk about it when we um, produced one of these the other day. But um, I went to Alabama, and longtime listeners will know that that's where I like to go uh, for deer. So I went um, white-tailed deer hunting in Alabama. It was a, a pretty rough week, all in all. Um, I was successful, saw a lot of deer, just not really the deer I was looking for. Um, you know, I, I hunt for, um, for the meat. That's, that's why I'm there. So I was, I was very happy to harvest a couple of really nice does for the freezer, which I'll you know, be able to, to eat on for the rest of the year. But um, I was also looking for, you know, the, the, the challenge of, of getting a nice buck. And, and last year, I was very fortunate to shoot two really good bucks. But um, didn't, didn't see any real um, bucks to speak of, uh, just tons and tons of does. The, the, those deer were moving. Um, I think what I was into, and, and I don't know how common this is elsewhere, but in that uh, neck of the woods, they call it the De December doldrums where the, the big deer, the bucks are kind of saving up their energy and they're not really doing a whole lot before the rut, which is the breeding season. And during the rut, these, these bucks can lose up to 30% of their body weight as they chase around the does trying to, to breed. So um, I get that, uh, rest up best you can. That's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of work and uh, they're, they're running around for a few weeks, just, just going crazy. So um, unfortunately I wasn't there for that part of the season, but, um, had, had a really good time. It was unseasonably warm, which I think everyone's kind of been dealing with, um, th this whole winter, but, um, very warm, saw a lot of deer and, and very rainy. So that was my, that was my Alabama trip. And this is over in, in Western Alabama. So, um, it's a bit of a ride for me to get over there. So I was very happy. Like I mentioned, very happy to harvest a couple does and was, was able to get some hogs as well. Um, my buddy, who's the, the property owner and manager, um, he likes to reduce the feral hog population on his land because they're a non-native invasive species and I like to eat them. So I was able to bring some of those home. So all in all, a very successful trip, uh, a safe trip and um, ready to go back in late January. So I'll be going back up there to, to get some more and, um, and hopefully be a little more successful on that go around. Um, so as far as hunting, that, that's pretty much, you know, what, what I did there. And then this last weekend, I was able to go out with my wife um, on the boat. Um, it was a, a windy day. It was foggy. 
which is weird because normally when it's foggy, it's not windy, but this was kind of pre-front or something was going on where it was, um, you know, winds probably 10 to 15 knots um, and very, very foggy, reduced visibility. Uh, we went out to Egmont Key, which is a, a barrier island, kind of not really barrier, but it's at the mouth of Tampa Bay. It's, it's a well-known uh, national park out there where you can only access it by boat. I've caught a lot of really nice snook there, a lot of really nice flounder there. There's great grass flats on the east side of the key. Um, hadn't been out there in a while. Wanted to try some of my old spots and a few new spots. Um, I used to go out there all the time. I used to run charters out there for a while, but just checking in on some stuff. I hadn't been out there in, in probably six or seven years. Not very successful. <laughs> um, got a lot of bait, really nice white bait and some pinfish. Um, and uh, just, just wasn't able to really do a whole lot. Um, didn't dedicate a lot of time to it, but there's some structure I was fishing on both sides of the island, threw some lures on the grass flats um, and only got one hit there. But um, I uh, um, was able to get uh, one nice jack and, and that was pretty much it. So that was, uh, that was the, the long and short of my adventure. We, um, we ended up doing um, you know, just bouncing around, tried a couple other docks too. But, uh, other than that, uh, just a, a nice day on the water, even though the, the conditions weren't great, but, uh, was able to spend some time out there with my wife and, uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, Tim, uh, sounds like you had a lot of fun out there. Um, I guess first I want to, I have a few questions about the, the hunting trip. Sounds like a great meat trip you had there. Um, let's talk a little bit more about those hogs. Um, well, what can you tell me about those and like, how do you prepare those? I know I've heard that uh, those hogs can be a little gamey if you don't prepare them right. Um, some people only shoot the females with the hogs because the males are much more gamey. Oh, what, what can you tell me about that? Yeah. So uh, on this property, um, my buddy, he, he has pretty much a moratorium on hogs. He, uh, if you see one, it's kind of, um, he would like them shot or you better not talk about them when you come back to camp. Um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm out there hunting for, for the meat. And um, if someone doesn't want a hog, I take them when I'm there. Uh, how I like to prepare the hogs is what I'll do with some of the, the less desirable cuts, so to speak, is I'll grind them and, and make sausage out of them. Uh, one of my favorite things to do, and it's, it's always a real treat, is um, to make either like a spicy sausage you can you can similar to ones you buy in the store you know Tennessee Pride is a brand or you know a bunch of different brands out there where it's just ground up um, uh, uh, pig meat uh, mixed with spices and from there you can either stuff it into natural casing or you can just make patties out of it or what I like to do with it is is add it um, for a little extra depth into chilies and things like that um, because I do cook primarily with deer meat when I make something like a chili and I want to have a little bit of mouthfeel um, and, and have a little fat content in there, the deer fat, the tallow on a deer is, is waxy and it doesn't taste good. So to add a little bit of the pork fat uh, works out. So uh, the, the back straps or the, the tenderloins or, you know, on a domesticated pig, what you'd buy in the store would be um, pork chops. That's just the, the sliced uh, back strap. Uh, I got those in the freezer, those I'll cook on the grill or do whatever, um, as far as what you'd normally do with like a pork chop. 
But Tanner, these hogs were were much smaller than the ones that you you get in the store. Um, so they they were average, you know, maybe fifty pounds a piece. So it's still a, a big animal. Um, provides plenty of meat, but it's not like you know these huge um, pork chops that you see, you know, at your local grocery store. Um, so you know, going back to to what you said, some of these big boar hogs, you know, the three hundred pound plus male hogs. Yeah, they have a bad reputation um, for, as being gamey. Luckily, uh, you know, I, I didn't get into any of those. And um, what what's um, very fortunate for for the landowner and my friend is he has some neighbors that any hogs that he doesn't want, he gives to them, and that way the meat goes to the community. So there's no waste. It's not like a wonton waste of meat where people are just killing these animals and then throwing them in a gut pile. Everything is clean and it, it either goes into the guests or his friends, coolers and freezers or back into the community. And you use the same rifle to shoot those as you would your typical deer? Yeah. So, so I use a, a Browning bolt action 30-06 rifle. Um, pretty much good for any North American big game, um, you know, all the way up to elk and things like that. Some people like to use bigger caliber rifles. This one's kind of a jack of all trades. It is on the, the larger side for some of these smaller hogs or um, some of these does, but I'm not going to bring multiple guns into the woods. I, I want to be ready for whatever comes out. So whether it be, you know, a large uh, mature buck or, you know, a doe, if I'm going to harvest something, I'm, I'm not going to bring different um, rifles into the deer woods for, for different applications. Um, this one just works, works well for everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, moving on to Egmont, I actually remember fishing there once when I was a kid. Um, and one of the things that I will always associate with Egmont Key is the most silver redfish I've ever caught. It was right on the sand flats there, and it was as silver as the bottom. There was not a speck of, uh, of red on that fish. So, that was the only time I fished there, but it is a beautiful island. And it sounds like that uh, even though you might have not had the best day fishing, it was a beautiful day out on the water with your wife and you guys uh, had some fun. Yeah, we did. And, and part of the rationale with going to Egmont is um, dogs are not allowed there. It is a, a preserve and it's a you know nationally uh, um, managed preserve. But um, we, we didn't have our dog with us this time. Normally on windy days, we'll go to the sandbar and, and do that. But uh, our dog had surgery not long ago. So she, she stayed home and, and it gave us an opportunity to go out and explore an area where we could walk and enjoy the lighthouse and, and the dunes and everything out there and not worry about our dog. So it was a nice change in scenery. Like I mentioned, I, I used to run charters out there. Um, I've been out there more times than I can count. Um, the fishing wasn't as good as I remember, but uh, it was still a really nice day. Uh, sounds like a good time. Yeah, and Tanner, I think uh, you got out um, up near Jacksonville recently and, and got on some fish. I think I remember seeing. What can you tell me about that? So, yeah, I was in Jacksonville. I'm actually in Dallas now doing uh, the holidays with my in-laws. We're actually, as soon as we get off this call, we're going to go try to scare up some bass and bluegill in the neighborhood pond. But uh, while I was in Jacksonville, I did get to do a little bit of fishing with my dad. 
wasn't crazy. A uh, couple reds, couple trout, and a couple snapper. Um, but there's a couple fish I want to highlight. So my grandparents live on a little canal in Neptune Beach, Florida. And when I was a kid, mostly like in high school, I'd fish this canal all the time in like a little John boat. But behind their house, it got too shallow and it was really too marshy to fish. You know, we put in the um, the John boat behind their house at high tide and we go you know, maybe three or 400 feet down the canals where it really got deep enough to hold fish. But uh, recently they dredged out the canal and they made it much deeper. And it was a full high tide on Saturday morning. So my cousin, Rhett, who I know you've met, I've talked about fishing with him before. Uh, he's recently transferred to Jacksonville University and is living with my grandparents. So he had two minnow traps set up um, just right in that canal. And it is now you know, probably several feet deep at high tide, like it was. So I asked him if he had any um, bait fish and he pulled out a little blue crab, about a two inch, three inch long blue crab. And I had this idea. So their patio is about 50 feet from the canal and it's like a swampy marshy area, but there's a downed tree. So you can traverse the, the marshy grass and the mud on this tree. So I had the idea that, you know, he could toss me the line. I could, you know, walk it out. So what we did was he had the rod from their backyard and he handed it over the grass to me about seven or eight feet. I got it, walked it to the tip of the tree, which is just at the water's edge, cast out to the middle of the canal and then walked it back, handed it back to him. And then he brought it back up onto their back porch, which is elevated about probably 10 or 15 feet up. So we set the rod up and, uh, you know, went on to doing our family Christmas breakfast, which is a tradition every year with my grandparents. And sure enough, we see that rod keel over. Um, he grabs the rod, starts fighting. I run back out on the tree and I see the fish. It's about a 22 inch redfish. And, you know, he guides the line towards me. I pull it through the grass and we ended up getting it landed. And it was a really cool, I know I posted the pictures on Instagram. It was really fun, you know, kind of a team effort to get that redfish in. And it was the biggest redfish um, of the weekend in Jacksonville. So not huge, but a really fun, really nice fish. Wow, that's such a um, a good memory, you know, everything that went into that. And then, you know, going back, I, I know we've talked at length about you growing up, uh, you know, and fishing those canals back there and, and, you know, what it meant to you and really, you know, establishing yourself as a fisherman. And then now having the opportunity and, and kind of getting, getting creative, right? You know, that's so fun that, that you were able to catch that fish, you know, as a team and it was teamwork off of that, you know, elevated patio. That, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it is funny. It kind of reminds me of another story when I was probably 17 or 18 and my cousin is, he's 20 now. So he's about 12 years younger than me. So if I was 18, he was probably six. And it's when I had that little John boat back there and he was catching these little fiddler crabs. Just, I think I bought maybe two dozen shrimp, three dozen shrimp. And I was taking him out in the boat, you know, as a little kid and he kept catching these crabs and I was like, Brett, let's go, you know, let's not waste all the time catching crabs. But he ended up catching about a dozen crabs. So we get out there to the spot, you know, we were catching reds. We run out of shrimp and all we had left were those crab, were those crabs. And sure enough, we caught, I think 
two more reds, a drum, and two sheep's head on the crabs that on the fiddlers that he'd caught. So uh, he proved me wrong that day, and he's still, uh, you know, we we fish good every time I get out there with him. Does he? Uh, does he remind you of that ever? He does. He does from time to time, even as a six-year-old. Um, but but all the other fishing we were doing, we went on my dad's boat. Uh, the, the weather was not good. So we just hit a couple spots in the river near his house, um, primarily fishing float rigs with live shrimp. Um, and that's how we caught, you know, a handful of trout. Uh, I caught one decent sized mangrove snapper. So it was never hot. I think my cousin caught one other like 14 inch little rat red. So, you know, it, it wasn't great. But uh, we also did some fishing off the dock, um, and that's where we caught an interesting fish that is going to lead us into our question. So I didn't catch it. I'm actually not sure who caught it. They caught it when I was up at the house, um, but they called me down to the dock. They caught a snapper that appeared to be a mutton snapper that was about maybe four inches long. So I posted that on my Fish Facts TV, and I got an interesting question. Let me pull it up because I don't want to misquote Mr. Um, Joey Incredible. So Joey Incredible's question is, what is the difference between lanes and muttons? Lots of people take illegal muttons thinking there are lanes. So obviously, I don't know if there's any truth to that. That's probably just uh, Joey's experience. Um, but you know, as a podcast that pushes conservation, we don't want anybody keeping illegal muttons. And I do think that that's, that's a problem. There is some misidentification because there are similarities, especially in those small, um, muttons with lanes. So Tim, what, what do you usually use to tell the difference between a mutton and a lane snapper? I know you guys in Tampa, probably don't see as many muttons uh, as we do in Southeast Florida. Yeah. The muttons aren't very prevalent up here, but they are around. Um, luckily for us, if we do find muttons, they're on the bigger side, probably on the, the upper ranges of, of even the biggest lane snappers you'd find. But you know what I would say and, and what I look for is first and foremost, the coloring. I find that the, the body coloring of a mutton is going to be a more vibrant pink uh, then the lane, the lane will have pink to it, but I find the muttons a little more vibrant. Um, I also look at the, the, the lines on, on the side of the fish. So the, if you look at the lines on a, on a lane snapper, they're going to be a pink background with, um, yellow lines. And that's a good way, a good indicator that, that it's probably a lane. Um, both fish also have a spot located you know, kind of on the, on the backside near their caudal fin or tail. Um, I find that the muttons have a more distinct spot. It's more in focus. Um, you know, and, and I find that muttons are a little taller uh, in the face, especially as a juvenile. So I know that that's a, a lot of um, opinion-based things that I kind of look at and which register for me. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's a really good question and that everyone can brush up on their fish ID. All right. So um, what I usually look at, first off, I think that there's a general difference in body shape. And Tim kind of brought this up earlier when we were talking about it. 
you know, it might be tougher to tell on those three, four inch fish, but by the time the fish gets to be eight inches, which is the keeper size for the lane snapper, um, there is a significant difference in body shape. I think a mutton is more rounded and the nose is a little bit more sloped. So it's really hard to describe unless you've caught both, but kind of like Tim was saying, I never really have trouble telling these fish apart to me. You know, I think maybe when you see those really tiny ones, um, it's hard to tell. But once you've seen a couple in the eight inch range, you know, Tim covered the basics of it. And another point that I think um, Elaine has four red fins where a mutton has um, yellow, the anal fin and the pelvic fin are both yellow. Um, so that's usually a dead giveaway. And on top of that, the lane has a rounded pelvic fin or an anal fin, and the muttons has a sharp, pointy um, anal fin. So I think that's actually the biggest dead giveaway. If you look at that fin and it's rounded, because I know Tim was talking about different shades of pink and red, but in Miami on that silver bottom or on the, the white sand and shallower water, they don't really have as much of those pink hues in their body. And you'll catch lanes that are almost silver. And even then, I feel like the muttons are more of a tan color. They don't get as like white, shiny silver as you'll see those shallow water lanes. No, and, that, that's uh, a really good insight. Another point I think is the muttons usually have a much bigger blue line under the eye, um, which I think is usually a pretty key distinction for muttons. Yeah. Utilizing the fins, you know, I, I know there's other fish that I look at the fins for identification. So that that's a really good, uh, really good spot to look Tanner. And on that, that note, that is the fish of the week is the lane snapper, Lutjanus Sinagris. Um, a big favorite of mine. I caught uh, about, I think I caught two of them when I was in the Keys a couple of weeks ago. The bigger one was about 10 inches. So, you know, lanes to me are great eating snapper. I know they've been our fish of the week um, a long time ago, but I figure we've had some turnover between now and then. And they are a fish that both of us catch a lot of. Um, and I believe they recently had a closure in the Gulf, Tim. Yeah. So lane snapper um, up until the closure that happened a few months back in the Gulf, you could keep a hundred pounds of lane snapper um, per, per angler. So there was quite a, um, a loose limit on them. And then out of the blue, almost overnight, they closed it for recreational harvest. So tomorrow, December 23rd, harvest just as quick as it shut down will reopen for a lane snapper. So it's a, it's a timely fish of the week for us. Um, turn a, a questionable day into a really good day by a hot lane bite because it seems to be one after the next once you get on a school of them. So uh, a big favorite of mine. And I'm happy that they're reopening tomorrow. And, you know, I've, I have the best luck with keepers in the winter in Miami, too. We still catch them in the summer, but uh, I don't know where the keepers go. Maybe they just all die. Most of them don't live more than a year or two. But last year in the winter, we got a whole lot of keepers. I got the boat club uh, Monday and then Sunday, Monday of the following week. So hopefully I'll be getting some keeper lanes. And on that note, remember to 
leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Maybe we'll start pushing them to YouTube again one day. But at this point, with everything we have going on, um, we're just keeping them on the podcast app. If you have any questions, uh, Fish Facts T or Fish Facts TV, um, Fish Casting Podcast on Instagram, or Captain Tim or Captain Strip. Yeah. Yeah, you can find me uh, at Captain Strip, Captain underscore Strip on Instagram. Um, wishing everyone really happy holidays. Don't know when this is going to come out. If it's already passed, you know, have a great new year. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we got some fun stuff coming. All right. Have a good one, Tim. Thank you. You too.